I was prepared to hear no, and uh, I, I came to them with a business plan and, and our goals and our objectives, and it was incredible because I brought a realtor to the meeting and said, okay, well, let's, let's help you find a place. That's Megan Myers, one of the two owners of Human Village Brewing Company in Pittman, New Jersey. She's our guest on this episode of Over Beers. I'm Freddie Clark. The Human Village Brewing Company is the shared vision of Richard and Megan Myers. What began as brewing days, gathering family together to share time and love of craft, evolved into a passion project. With a strong concentration on European and lesser known beer styles, Richard and Megan emulate traditional brewing methods and continue the cultural heritage of handcrafting beer one small batch at a time. During our conversation, Megan talks about one of their beers being in the Bach style. So let's start there. A Bach is a strong lager originating in Germany. There are several sub-styles, Maybach, Double Bach, or as you'll hear, Oatbach. The style was originally a dark, malty, lightly hopped ale first brewed in the 14th century town of Einbeck. In the 17th century, the style was adapted to the new lager style of brewing. With their Bavarian accent, the citizens of Munich pronounced Einbeck as Einbach, which actually means billy goat. But the beer became known as a Bach. Even today, a goat will appear on some labels. The beer is traditionally used for special occasions, like religious festivals for Christmas or Easter. But today, a Thursday is special enough reason to have one, or any of the other days of the week ending with the letter Y. Bachs have been brewed and consumed by monks as a source of nutrition while fasting as well. A traditional Bach is a lager that is sweet, strong, with an ABV around 6 to 7%. It's going to be lightly hopped, so not too bitter. IBU usually around 25. Color-wise, we're talking a light copper to brown with a good off-white head. You're going to taste malty and toasty with a little hop or fruitiness to go along. Maybe a bit of caramel with a smooth mouthfeel. Today, countries around the world produce different variations of box. If you're around Cincinnati, Ohio, look for Bachfest, the longest-running Bach beer festival in the world. Now, let's get to our talk with Megan from Human Village for our conversation over beers. I grew up uh, kind of splitting time between the East Coast and the West Coast, mm -hmm. and uh, my father lived out in Napa, so, you know, go see the vineyards and that process. Um, and then this was something that was a little bit more accessible to brew from home. That was my, you know, my first interest was actually looking and seeing how the wines were made. Mm -hmm. uh, just because it was something, you know, that more immersive that I, I had around. And it, I had a very culinary interest in beer. I, I kind of felt that there was a lot that I could do with it, even just in my own kitchen, mm -hmm. uh, to make something that would pair with food. Okay. Uh, I love to cook. I okay. adore cooking. And so I thought, well, if I have, uh, I'm making a Thai dinner, wouldn't like a cool Thai basil be really delicious and a light golden ale and, you know, something to pair. And I just started playing that way. Um, so for me, it so was you were just, making per meal. You were yeah, a I was batch. literally thinking dinner for dinner. If okay. and if I put some bottles away in my beer fridge, and you know, just entirely from a, a home brewer standpoint. And um, my husband brewed, you know, too, and he would do what he was interested in. He likes more the, the heavier stouts. I think, of course, the first thing we made was an imperial. Okay. Yeah, which is such like a home brewer <laughs> thing, right? Like I'm going to get the most alcohol okay. out of this possible. <laughs> <laughs> I think it came out like, like, like 
molasses. Like, it was so thick. The first one is always yeah. a mess. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and it, it let us, you know, kind of do what we hadn't seen on the shelf. Okay. Um, but we would want to drink for ourselves, sometimes for better, sometimes for worse. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and then it just kind of started getting better and better. And, you know, we were kind of honing it more okay so it wasn't it was purely for yourself it wasn't like did you have a, a, an educational background in it no or even culinary or no 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 okay so no, not, not at all not at all so um, my husband rich he's um, he works in nuclear power he is he's a physicist and uh, he runs a nuclear power plants. So the guy certainly knows how to boil water. Okay. And he's got <laughs> On a large the, scale. <laughs> yeah. And he's got the science background. And of course, that contributes significantly okay. yes. um, to the process. But uh, no, I was in diplomacy. There's no radiated rods here. Right? Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> we are the, our America's first nuclear power brewery. brewery. <laughs> Just don't tell the feds. Okay. Um, That's great. Yeah, there's another regulatory agency <laughs> we don't need. <laughs> now we have the ABC, ABC the TTV, enough. and the NRC. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that would be amazing. No, I was in diplomacy, and okay. uh, my my background is um, my degree is in Middle Eastern studies. I'm minor in Arabic, actually, and I spent some time, you know, out in the Middle East and you know, maybe hot, dark, dry places, and I was thirsty. So it's just the two of you brewing at home. Yeah. Um, I guess was it were there arguments over whose turn it was to brew? And you? <laughs> no, because no. it was you know. T- it, to us, brewing is a social activity. Okay. And I think even historically, brewing is a social activity. So we, it was a day we'd have friends over. Okay. And I don't think, I think it's like illegal. You, you cannot brew if you're not drinking a beer too. Uh, I, I think like that it you, might be law. You have to have a beer while you're brewing. Oh, 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 do you think that's truly really law or I think is it, it just should, a custom? I, I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'm not going to test it, though. Like, I wouldn't want right, to... Right, right. You don't want to jinx it. And, yeah, so we'd, we'd have some beers with some friends and okay. sometimes even be drinking something to talk about, you know, was there a different flavor we wanted to try or explore and what could we get into? And so bring a whole mix of stuff out and taste mm-hmm. with friends and brew together. And, okay, nice. You know. So it'd be brew day and then I'm guessing with your culinary interest, uh, food and just the, yeah. whole, the whole thing. Food, yeah, beer, friends, and, and love of craft. That's so. a great way to spend a, a day yeah. definitely yeah so but there is a big jump to get from brewing at home for friends and right. for yourself to opening a brewery so at what point did you say you know this is something we really want to do um it came to the point where we we had the vision for the the business gelling what did we really want to bring to the market for ourselves and who did we want to be as a company? Mm-hmm. And I, I think that was um, something very foundational was that discussion of what are our values, what are our ethics, and what kind of company do we want to create? And as a brewery, we, we certainly had you know some that we looked up to. And um, then you know it became the love of community too. And to, to be here on a main street, and we didn't even know if Pippin was going to let us in. Mm-hmm. We had no idea. It's a dry town. And uh, I thought, well, if I approach them, what's, what's the worst they're going to say? No. Mm-hmm. I was prepared to hear no. And uh, I, I came to them with a business plan and, and our goals and our objectives. And it was incredible because I brought a realtor to the meeting and said, okay, well, let's, let's help you find a place. Okay. And um, the place then very much shaped the brewery. Okay, so why... Pittman, why was that where you wanted to do it? 
Um, Tell me you live around a corner or something. I do. I literally <laughs> okay. live three miles up the road. Okay. <laughs> um, why? Because I can still get my kids off the bus. Okay. That's a valid reason. Yep. You know, but no, it's, it's such a lovely town. And mm-hmm. uh, we were talking about your trip up to Walton, Bucks County. I grew up in Bucks County, and it, it very much reminded me of Newtown or New Hope or any of these um, walkable, lovely communities that are centered around food and dining in the theater and I thought a brood incorporates so well into that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you said it was a dry town, so I didn't notice driving in, so I'm guessing there's no bars up and down no. the street. No. So you've got the alcohol angle pretty much to yourself. Right. There's a wine bar now. Oh there's a wine yeah, bar now. Okay. That opens so, you kinda... so we have some wine, we have some beer. All right. So it's a it's a damp town. Okay. <laughs> but uh, you know, they they did pass an ordinance for a um, liquor license to be approved. Council still has to, you know, get the kinks of that out before it's put up for sale or offered. Okay. But as of yet, no, there's still no liquor licenses. I didn't think they could do new liquor licenses in, in the state. That's interesting. Okay. I think they're allowed, I think three for Pittman's population. Okay. What do you think it was that drew them into saying yes? What was the, what do you, do you know which part of your plan or pitch is that said, yeah, we, we, we'll, we'll let this happen? I, I think it was the idea that we um, are coming into a town that's on the cusp of a major change. Um, the university down the road is expanding significantly. Mm-hmm. Um, the real estate had started to pick up in Pittman, and there were more young families and working professionals and everybody moving in to this bedroom community. And I, I think they saw the opportunity to grow Mm-hmm. You know, as okay. their business community, and that kind of everybody would be helped. The restaurants would be helped, and mm-hmm. it, it would bring more young families out and create a little bit of nightlife. Okay, so, so I mean, regenerating the yeah the, the business district really right. right. So you had, I mean, Philadelphia not too far. Yeah. So it was pretty much like you said, bedroom people coming in, and let's build up around that influx. Correct. Yeah. Okay. And you know, serve our community as much as. Have the business owners, I don't know the best way to put this. It's not just the business owners serving their own business interests. The businesses mm-hmm. have to serve the community that's here. Okay, right. And I did notice that on your website that you do, I mean, you're very big on village community. Absolutely. So, I mean, tell me a little bit more about that. What was, why was that so alluring for you? Why, why build a, your whole business around that? Because I, I feel that there's tremendous value to living where you know your neighbors and you mm-hmm. keep an eye out, and you, that is an enriching experience. And for so long, if, if everything was centered just in shopping centers and, and malls and off the main streets, you weren't walking and saying hello to your friends and neighbors on a regular basis and keeping those touches that really bind and unite a community and make it a place that you feel good about, you feel part of, and you want to live in. I, I feel it's a very s- difficult thing, especially in suburban areas where, you know, maybe sometimes people haven't talked to their neighbors quite so much, but that's changing. Mm-hmm. That's changing so fast, and the main streets are coming back. And it's not that nobody knows their neighbors and talks anymore. Mm-hmm. It's that we enjoy these parts of life that really make it so much richer. Mm-hmm. So. I want, I've been wondering a lot about that lately too with as far as 
you drive up and down the streets and you see the the malls, the strip malls, empty, closing down. Yeah. Things have the big box stores are taking a beating. Amazon has ruined I don't know how many of those businesses, right? right. Or, or online in general. But there has been such a rediscovery of the local, of the small business, of mom and pop shops, of you know, the lo- like you said, local people who know each other. Where growing up, when I did, I was at the cusp. I was at the wave of that was going away. Right. I remember. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the, the hardware store that was there for fifty years that my grandfather shopped in and worked in when he was a kid. Yeah. I remember them closing, you know, and on the little on the main street, not far from where I lived. So it's it is great that that is coming back, and not only that business owners are seeing the value of it, but then even the small towns, the towns are seeing, are wanting that to be, right. are, are pushing for that. You know, I got a great piece of advice from my father. Um, and he, he, we were talking in the car one day and he said, you know, a lot of these small businesses, because uh, I grew up, you know, during this, the same time that you did where you were watching these small shops shut down because they couldn't compete with, and at the time it wasn't Amazon, it was stores like Walmart right. that they were afraid of. And they, I don't even know how many of the businesses shut preemptively, mm-hmm. you know, because the Walmart was coming in. Coming in. And he said, you, you can go into Walmart and they might have two staplers. They're going to have the crappiest stapler and a mid-range stapler. But if you need a specialty piece of office equipment, the store that would have sold that has now shut. Mm-hmm. The person who would have explained to you with the piece of equipment that you need has now shut. Mm-hmm. And they didn't maybe adapt to see the value of, you don't have to compete to sell the cheapest stapler. Right. You have to specialize because you have the knowledge. Right. Nobody in Walmart has the knowledge no. to sell you what's on the shelf. Yep, no, and, and I remember going to probably a, a big box electronic store. And I'm also a photographer. Yeah. And them, and I was in for something minuscule, like little. And the, the kid came up to me and no, nothing against him. He was, you know, making his, you know, minimum wage or whatever, yeah. you know, and he was trying to help me, but he knew nothing about cameras, nothing about photography. Right. He was just happened to be there in that section that day. So there had, and there was no one there who could help. Where the, the, the camera store that was around the corner that had shut down five years ago, right. you know, they would help and have all that information readily available. And you'd go in there and talk shop for hours. With somebody who loved it. Yep. Absolutely loved it. And then they would also develop the most beautiful photos too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And they and, cared. Right. They, they cared. cared. Right. It was, it was what they loved to do. So that's our whole, yeah. s- that's cool. the answer. Why do we right. focus on community and Main Street and, and being part of it so much? Why? Because look what great things happen. People actually care. Right. <laughs> you know? Exactly. So um, how long did it take you to, from the germination of the idea yeah. to actually opening the doors? Two years. Two years. Yeah. Okay. And that was in... Well, it was an idea that, you know, we kind of rolled around for a while, but when it really started taking legs to opening was two years. Okay. And from your experience, what was... What took so long? What was that two years? What what comprised that two years? Planning. um, Making sure... We had all of the kinks worked out in our business plan that this was something uh, that we could 
we could not only make work in paper, but we could torture test that paper a little bit mm -hmm. and make sure that we had accounted for if we open the doors, can we really do this? Because the worst thing I could imagine doing is coming into a main street, not succeeding, and then giving them an empty storefront again. So, right, right. You know, um, and then the licensing process and, you know, solving everybody as they build a brewery or start anything new, there's going to be all the problems they have to solve. Mm -hmm. You know, so okay. getting that going. When you were planning it, looking at looking at your website, you know, you're open pretty much Thursday through Sunday, right? Uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Thursday, Friday, right Saturday. Now, okay. You're looking at Sunday. You're looking at Sunday. Okay. With not being open six or seven days a week, was that a challenge, a concern, or? Um, no, this is on you know the way a lot of. Small breweries start. This is not uh, our day job. Okay. So okay. Uh, my husband still works at the nuclear power plant, and I am still mama too. And, okay. You know, that's, so, that's a full-time job in yeah, itself. Yeah. Running uh, <laughs> then on top, running the business and making sure that we're brewing and taking care of, you know, as much as we need to. And mm -hmm. we're tiny. It's okay. the two of us and a staff that we love. And Okay. Yeah. Now, are you guys doing the brewing yourselves, or yes. have you, you, help, you are? Yep. Now, how are you, logistically, I mean, you know, how are you wedging a full-time job, full-time parenting, and brewing? I mean, how is that? Creative application of time. There are 24 <laughs> okay. usable hours in every day. <laughs> That's it. Okay. All right. Now, with, with you said earlier, one barrel, how many times a week, then, are you using that one-barrel system? Uh, one to two times to per two. week. Okay. Yeah, uh, we double brew, mm -hmm. so one barrel goes into three barrel fermenters. Okay. And um, just you know through working with the gravity, and then you know, we could add a little bit more, so we were able to get about a hundred gallons. Okay. Out of a brew. Out of a brew. Okay. Yeah. And I do notice. I mean, you do have. I mean, you've got you've got ten beers on tap, so that's nine. nine. Okay. And a soda. Oh, it was a soda. Yeah, How we make a cream you, soda. You snuck a soda in there. Well, we we <laughs> love going to breweries, and we take our kids with us okay. to the breweries. You know, they're not bars. It's a right. very different. Right. And so we always appreciated when they had a soda, so we created uh, recipes for a couple different sodas. we got a cream soda now. We do okay. root beer, and I make nice. it with ingredients I'd want to give to my own kids. So, so there you go. No right. high fructose corn syrup or anything. It's made well, with honey. Cool. All natural cream yeah. soda. All right. That's cool. All right, so you do have, but you do have, all right, so nine beers. Nine. That's a good amount, especially Thank given you. that you are, you know, only brewing once or twice yeah. a week. I mean, that's. Oh, thank you. That's yeah. definitely commendable. That's a good amount of beer. I appreciate that. No, no problem. <laughs> the, I noticed on the website, but also I noticed as I walked in here, somebody is a big music lover. Yes. Okay. We are huge into music. Music okay. is life. So. Okay. Um, and I'm notice. I'm guessing you're also, uh, it, you enjoy your vinyl. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Because there's vinyl albums tacked up all over the place. So this. Well, was, maybe you don't like vinyl. If you're if you're nailing <laughs> it to me. the wall. This was actually here. Um, this place was very very special to the community. It was called the Bus Stop Music Cafe. Okay. And there's a long tradition of music that was here. Uh, there's a sandwich shop and coffee and uh, he actually he, the owner was the first person to allow any alcohol into town is a BYOB. Okay. And he was able to crack that open. He figured out how to do that. And then he sold um, 
uh, wines as a vendor for one of the local vineyards. Okay. Even in a dry town. Even in a dry town. With and the he police was, station like yeah, two, three doors Yeah, and he was down. able to find a <laughs> loophole that let him do it in, in the town's okay. coat. Okay. Um, but there is a performance here. You can see kind of it's elevated over there where there's, there's a stage. Okay. Um, that all comes down when we have shows. And it was a tradition we had to keep going. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, yeah, no, that was the vinyl. The vinyl was, was already on the already wall. here. And okay. we wanted to keep as much of that vibe from the bus stop as a place a lot of people loved. And cool. And how long between going. them going away and you opening? Um, that, my goodness, I want to was it May? It's about six months. All right. That, that was, yeah. yeah. It's not a lot of time, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we tried to get as much packed and done as we could so there wasn't that high okay. nice yeah so I guess then when you had that realtor with you that day when you were talking to the town I mean this this place probably had just come on the market for you no it was a long process trying to find a suitable building okay um, the buildings are, are quite old I think this one's 93 years old so when we're looking to put a brewery and we have the consideration of weight loading mm -hmm. um, and finding a good suitable space and it, it was a little bit of time before um, this building's owner approached us and said, I'm looking to retire. If I did, would you be interested? And there was kind of a whole feeling out process because he wanted the tradition to continue of okay, having so he, this be a venue and okay. you know a, a space for music in the community because there, there are so many community members that had come out and played and you know, it was a good place for people to get together. Nice. And that's why I guess on your website every Thursday is open, open mic, mic night. Yep, okay. still. And, and you got people coming in every Thursday night and yep, playing? Absolutely. Yeah. We, we actually, uh, everywhere from, we're starting to have people come in from Philadelphia, but we have an, so many regulars who we love. Um, there's a hilarious guy, his name's Country Earl, and he'll come in and he's in his, uh, his mid-octogenarian, okay. and he writes a phenomenal songs about Fifty Shades of Grey and being too drunk to drive. And he, okay. He's great, you know? So it's it's something that's important to, mm -hmm. to the community to still have it and get together. And nice. Gosh, okay. we love it. Nice. Every cool. minute of it. Now, and if you don't want to talk about this, that's fine. Sure. There's another brewery two doors down. Yeah, Kelly and, Green. And that is... It's interesting that there are two breweries in one town, but it's also very interesting that you're practically neighbors. That, well, yeah, that was coincidence. Okay. Um, we did not know that we would be taking this space, and kind of at the same time that we started the process, they started the process, mm -hmm. and they took a, a different space that had you know, been some offices, and so it, it just wound up being a complete coincidence that it happened that way. Okay. But I think it, it's for the better for the town because it gives people an excuse to make the drive. Mm -hmm. You know, for one small brewery in a small town, maybe they wouldn't. But now if there's two and then there's dinner and other things they can do, it's, I think it helps it, Pittman. Make a night out of it, yeah. Yep. And I have noticed, especially in New Jersey, New Jersey craft beer, that everybody is very works well and plays well with one another. Yes. So is that the case with you guys and Kelly Green? Oh, we've got a fun, healthy rivalry. Okay, But okay. yeah, other than that, All right. absolutely. Okay. No, it's good, it keeps us on our toes and uh, keeps us striving to do our best. Excellent, okay. Well, that, I think that brings us to the beers. Is there a overarching methodology or um, ideology with your brewing? We lean far more traditional. Okay. Um, 
we do some you know experimental brews we do have some fun with it but i think for the most part what we're looking for our beer is that that point of balance mm-hmm. okay. really where the flavors play well together nothing is is so overwhelming and you can enjoy a glass from start to finish. It's not just something that's going to be good in a taste, but maybe by the time you got to a bottom of a glass, it would be overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know? So that imperial one you made on your on your uh, stovetop, <laughs> maybe not. That's not. <laughs> yeah. The- <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. So let's. So we got uh, number number one. Is this the Harlem Shake? Okay. This is an oatbox. So this was a really, really cool story. Um, we had brewed this at home a number of times. It was a recipe that we found in an out-of-print beer recipe book from the 15th century that had just died and gone away. Hmm. And we thought, well, we, ha- we have to brew this. We have to see what it's like, because there's, there's not barley in it. It is based on oat malt, and it has this big booziness, this esteriness. It uses a, a custom blend of yeast. Okay. And it, it brings back this Dutch style that had died. Died, and yeah. Hmm. That it's is... hard to categorize. Yeah. It has almost it that is... mouthfeel of like a stout. Mm-hmm. It's rich, but it... I don't... And I, the yeast yeah. is... It's complex. It's... I, I don't know that I could put it in a particular... Or excuse me, particular style category at all. And I noticed you did use the Dutch spelling of Harlem in the name. Yes. Yes. As a New Yorker, I picked that up. <laughs> yeah. Former New Yorker, yeah. Well, that's very nice. And I, you don't do growler refills. I'm the growler <laughs> fills on this. Well, so this is a this is quite a difficult brew. Is it? Okay. In order to uh, get what you need, the, the sugars, the enzymes, everything, um, it is a intense step mash process and this one wound up being about a 20 hour brew day wow to make okay. and you want to talk about stirring a thick mash yeah okay it is uh she's a bit of a bear but i think she's <laughs> worth it yeah now would you say you have a flagship beer absolutely um that's the one we're going to go to next okay. which is our abbey rotor ipa also the beers and the bees um is one that we had actually not intended to have tent poles mm-hmm. and, and to kind of change the menu and, and work in seasonally and let things ebb and flow a little bit. Um, but these wound up being popular enough that we've, we've kept them on. Kept on. Yeah, I'm looking for half a grapefruit and tangerine, just a big, juicy, citrusy IPA. Not overwhelmingly harsh and just mm-hmm. yeah. yellow citrus. Yeah. Very West Coast D. Yep. yep. Now, have you dabbled in the, the New England IPA? The milkshakes? No, <laughs> no, you know, no, it's, yep. it's not really my wheelhouse. No? It's okay. not a. I, I feel like the breweries who do them do them so well, mm-hmm. and it's really their thing. And, and you know, just no. kind of no. let them have it, and I will happily go there and drink them. That's right. That's. Well, it's it's funny you bring that up. Somebody once asked me, you know, I'm into you're very into craft brew, Freddie. Why don't you brew? Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, mostly because right now there are so many great, so much great beer out there that you know, let I'll let you yeah. guys do it. You know, like you said, let let them do what they do, and right. I don't mind driving around and visiting exactly. breweries. Yeah, yeah that is a nice IPA. Thank you. Very nice. Now, are they all, they're pretty much all musical? 
Almost all. Almost we get some all. movies, a little pop okay. culture in there. Yeah. The beer has no name. Was it Game of Thrones reference? Um, <laughs> okay. But that's because we couldn't come up with a name for the beer. Okay. Everything we, we came up with just got rejected, and we couldn't naturally find it, and so okay. it became the joke. A beer yeah. has no name. A beer has no. That's it. And uh, you don't have to tell me where Abbey Road came from. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now this guy next is Dryland and Porter. And then Porter. And I, you want to talk about traditional? I wanted to just stay as true to style with this mm-hmm. one. This one we do a pull-off batch with. If you want to go into my my weirdo uh, interests, but finish it with Earl Grey. Okay. And that one's called God Save the Queen. And uh, when we do that one, it's very popular, but I, I didn't want to overwhelm it so that that bergamot and that light black tea flavor is kind of on the nose and up front. Uh, London Calling. London is, Calling. Yeah. That's very nice. Thank you. Yeah. That's, yeah, really. That's traditional. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of just want to hit that one on what's the beer that you would want to like sit and have muscles with and, you know. Chips and yeah. vinegar and and that's you know? this is it for you yeah, yeah. yeah. nice my uh, my girlfriend loves to pour this pour this over ice cream porter and ice cream that sounds amazing put it over some vanilla ice mm. cream that sounds awesome it is it's very good it's mm. very good I will have to try that there's always a porter at our house just for that reason really <laughs> I have not tried it with porter I got um, one of the chocolate peanut butter Stout. Okay. And I did it with that. That's good. That's good too. But even just straight porter yep. doesn't have to be. No, that have sounds to be, so elegant and delicious. Yeah. And, and then we have. This is the Folsom, Folsom Prison, Prison Brews. Uh, of course, playing with the prison name because this is the one we designed with our police department. Okay. Yeah. So they are two doors down. Yep. And we did a uh, a project with them. We we had a, a night where we sponsored the team and um, for the police unity tour. And for their ride down to D.C. Okay. And so, you know, they take care of us. We want to do what we can to take care of them. We said, okay, what do you guys drink? What so, do you want to say? So how does that work? So, I mean, I'm going to guess not many of them, if any of them, are brewers. No. They're just beer drinkers. Right. Right. So how how do you approach that? So they all come in one night and A you just start talking about it? A couple of guys sat down they said, well, we don't want anything too heavy. Okay. We're trying to do this bike race. We're training. or bike ride. We're training for it. So... Could you keep the calorie count down, which took us a couple of tries to get something where we ran the numbers was uh, light enough calorically and didn't have so much body. But they liked an amber. Okay. They liked sweeter, um, malty, toasty. And so, you know, we just tried to put together based on the, the parameters they gave. Here, well, you know, this is... This is our interpretation of that, and uh, they really enjoyed the beer. We were so happy because that was, you know, all that we were looking for. They gave it that blessing on the first yep. shot? Yeah, they gave it their blessing. <laughs> right. and uh, Nice. Yeah. That's the first I've heard of a collaboration, not with other brewers, where you bring right. in other people who were not brewing. It wasn't another brewery. It was just, it's just people who are in the, in the community, in the town, well, and... Craft beer should be accessible to people who don't mm-hmm. even who don't drink craft beer too. Right. Well, that's one. That's one thing I usually ask is, if someone walks in, who doesn't drink craft beer, who we is get a, a lot. Right. What, how do you guide them? Um. If somebody walks in, who does not drink craft beer. Usually, they're not looking for something hoppy. Mm-hmm. 
And so we generally steer them toward the golden nails or something that's maybe a little bit more approachable first. Mm -hmm. And then you have one of the fun things we get to do as a brewery is have people taste it. I don't like dark beer. Okay. Well, have you tried this? Oh, that tastes like coffee, but it's a dark beer. Yes. Okay, so now we're on something that you like and you enjoy, and, and you're kind of, when it, there may have been pushback to say, oh, that, that's such a dark beer. Um, I don't feel like I would like it, because maybe that seems like a next step or a next level to somebody who's not even a beer drinker. Uh-huh. Now they're finding in it what they appreciate, but you know, if, if you don't talk about the product and explain your product, Somebody won't discover what it is. They'll kind of just go for that thing they think they'll like, stick with that, and then really wish their friends had gone someplace that has wine. <laughs> yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so that, that's the that's the I think the point of a craft brewery mm-hmm. is yes. we have this unique connection to our, our to our customer. Mm-hmm. And if and if you can talk to them, and and guide them through it, it makes all the difference in the world. Right. And do you see a lot of them coming back in? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And one of my favorite things to do is take somebody who goes, well, I hate IPAs. Okay. Do you like grapefruit? Yes. Why don't you give this a try? Mm-hmm. Because the IP, the IPAs have changed so much yeah. since it, they kind of started and burst on the scene as a style where it's like, I dare you to drink this. Yeah. It's so hoppy. We can get all of the hops in here. We have 11 million <laughs> IBUs in this. And, you know, somebody's then going to try to top that. Mm-hmm. So. Well, yeah, it ran through that scale of how high, how quick can we get to the top? Yeah. And then thankfully, once we got that out of our system, <laughs> right. most paid, most a lot of places have backed off and balanced and out. balanced out. Yes. And now you get these wonderful, big citrusy or spicy or earthy, mm-hmm. you know, combinations of flavor. Right. Not everything has to be Hot an to imperial. Death. Yeah. You know, fourteen percent alcohol. Right. Practically a, a liquor. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's the fun of it. Yeah. <laughs> Bring people into the fold who may not have wanted to approach or try craft beer. Mm-hmm. Now you've said you've been here a little over a year now. What is the the plan going forward? Now, we, when we talked before, I know the only place to get your beer is right here right now. Correct. Um, we have to grow. You have to grow. We got to grow. Okay. One barrel is, uh, it's, it was a good place to start. Okay. Um, we were a self-funded brewery, so... You know, it was how we opened and we saw how a number of other breweries through New Jersey had opened and then grown. Um, and so it's it's at that point now where we're, we're having that discussion on how is it we grow. Okay. Is there room to grow here? Is there room, is, is that what you're thinking is the next step or would it be an, another facility? I, I love this place. Mm-hmm. I love this place. So... I'm not sure um, there's been some discussion as to whether or not you could have a separate brew house. Uh, Kate May has done it. Um, Or we're going to grow in place. And so, you know, right now we're at the exploration point of mapping out different routes and finding out what the best path forward would be. Thank you, Megan. If you haven't already been, become a member of Human Village in Pittman, New Jersey. They are open Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. You can check out humanvillagebrewing.com for their hours and current lineup. 
AC Beer Fest is rapidly approaching, March 23rd and 24th. Over Beers is going to be at all three sessions at the AC Convention Center. I'm putting together the schedule of interviews now. What I'm going to try to do is record during the first session on Friday evening and get it out right away so you'll hear what's happening and hopefully be able to get there on Saturday. It might be sloppy. Hell, I might be sloppy, but it's going to be fun. Then we'll release the interviews from the Saturday session soon after. Remember, we're going to have some tickets to give away real soon so you can be there and maybe even get on Over Beers. Check out our blog at overbeers.beer and please leave a rating on iTunes or where you get your podcast. It helps and I appreciate it. And thanks to you who already have, like Dank and Juicy, Hulk PT88, and LW and CH. You can also leave a comment at the blog or send me an email. I'd love to hear what you have to say about the show. The email address is cheers at santephoto.com. You can also follow along on Instagram at santephoto. I'm Freddie Clark, and I'm going to go have a beer. But I'll be back next week with another conversation over beers. <laughs>